Welcome to the Retro SaaS Mutation Podcast, an exuberantly reckless audio experience where hosts Ozzy Ramadan and Christian Marcus are tasked to compare and discuss two randomly chosen topics from a roiling cauldron stewing with the severed remains of all things life, culture, and politics. And boy, do we have a doozy today, Chris. Uh, Uh-oh. What? I got my whiskey ready for this. Oh. It's happening. It's gone. <laughs> yeah, we have, real, we have a real doozy for the audience today. Usually, I feign excitement. Uh, but these topics, they evoke a genuine sort of uh, excitement mm. for me. We're talking about Pixar's new movie, Soul, starring Jamie Foxx, a childhood hero of mine. I don't know if you ever watched a Jamie Foxx show, but I loved it. Oh, yeah. And he was also on Mad TV. Um, and an article from Popular Mechanics that details the story of Chris Haven. Is that his name? An addict turned criminal turned real life Will Hunting. <laughs> I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this, Christian. I, I thought that you pulled that one out of your the rabbit's hat. That was a great article. Yeah, uh, Christopher Haven's uh, typical story of someone who, you know, loses their way early in life, doesn't receive the support and nurturing that his uh, born uh, skill sets and abilities uh, deserve. And so, you know, he ends up uh, being convicted for murder, uh, gets 25 years. That's, that's, that's hard for me to wrap my head around. 25 years for murder, uh, just got in with the wrong crowd, became a drug addict, was a thief. And then, um, you know, even in prison, he has initially, he, you know, he, he tries to fit in. He tries to survive. He does what he feels he has to uh, in order to make it. But that actually leads him to um, ending up in solitary confinement for for uh, you know things he does in prison as a result of initially joining a prison gang. And but then as he's stuck and he's trying to figure out a way to just occupy his mind and just kind of get through being stuck in this. Uh, 8 by 12 cell, which is just, you know, frightening to think of. He, um, uh, I think it's like a prison guard, if I'm not mistaken, by the name of Mr. Mr. G. Yeah, Mr. G. So he starts slipping him uh, math worksheets. Um, and, and Christopher just kind of wraps his mind around it. He just really starts working out these problems. And he, it, it's, it's, you know, as you read the article, you learn that he does he did have an aptitude for math, and he showed er, an early gift for it when in middle school. Uh, but for whatever reason, he didn't stick with it at the time. But so yeah, he now has the time and 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 to really set his mind to uh, and rediscovering you know the I guess the beauty of math, and he just kind of keeps up with it. And long story short, he actually uh, publishes a legitimate academic uh, article on number theory, which is like really heavy uh, stuff dealing with, you know, touches on encryption and cryptography and, and some very cutting edge uh, mathematical concepts that are very much in demand currently. And uh, yeah, he's very, uh, he excels. So uh, that's kind of long, st- the, the short story of his, of the article. But I think the deeper, I guess, questions that emerge are and what fascinated me about him is first of all there's here's a little interesting story about the article that i thought was fascinating a lot of uh math professors um receive 
yeah. I guess there's a lot of math ma- mathematicians in prison. <laughs> and so they submit these handwritten, because obviously they don't have access to technology or computers or f- smartphones unless they do so by means of, you know, illicitly uh, getting them, getting a hold of them. But yeah, so they're submitting these, you know, handwritten, painstakingly drawn out, you know, math formulas. Um, and, and so, you know, this, so this brings up a couple issues to me. Uh-huh. One, this idea of, um, well, you know, if you give, so he, he, you know, he had this very troubled upbringing, um, uh, fulfillment and purpose and, 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 um, uh, a sense of wanting to belong is kind of what drove him yeah. into the wrong path because he was kind of an awkward kid. He didn't quite fit in. So any chance he could to, you know, feel like he felt part of something, he kind of went with it. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know, circumstances are an odd thing and, it didn't. It doesn't. Didn't sound like he had a like a like a, a failed. Like no, it didn't seem like he didn't have supportive parents. Like I believe his mother was a nurse, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. Right. Um. So, but for some reason, he just he ended up in the wrong crowd and just kind of. Well, they were felt, moving around a lot, and so yeah, that oh, okay, sense okay. of uh, not having stability around a uh, community of friends. Mm. So each time he got into a new place, he would somehow try to perform in a way that would let him fit in. And that started with the gateway drug of marijuana. Uh, And and it led further down the line. Yeah. Meth and heroin and, you know, you know, you know, uh, causing crime to get, you know, yeah. All all that, that that kind of stereotypical evolution of uh, end result to the end result of being in prison. But I saw a lot of lifetime movies that were a lot like his life. (laughs) The story is similar, but but to me, what's fascinating is like first of all, this idea of confinement. And okay, we think of it as this. Obviously, it's really difficult for a person to mm-hmm. to be alone and be by themselves for extended periods of time. But if you, it can also be an opportunity of of self reflection, of pause, and then also dedication to a passion that maybe otherwise you didn't have the t- chance to devote yourself to. Um, and so he was lucky in, you know, having this kind of aptitude for it and then having the wherewithal and to, to kind of, uh, you know, have, you know, gain access to these math formulas and, and just, you know, be able to further his education. Um, am I hearing you right? Are you saying that, uh, the confinement of prison is, um, something you envy in terms of eliminating distraction? Ozzie, I believe we should all end up, in, we should all serve time. I'm, I, I'm, I think, uh, two years solitary confinement. Uh-huh. Um, and with, so if this brings up an issue, I think we're doing prisons all wrong. And, you know, this is something that has oh. been debated, but it just has not gained the kind of attraction that it deserves, which is if you throw someone in prison, don't just let him fester and rot. Right. And so that when they do come out after serving a 10 year or 15 or 20 or even a five year, uh, prison term, now they have nothing. Now they have something on their record. Like, what do you expect that is going to have happen to them? Of course, most of them are going to resort to crime because they have no outlet. Now they can't even hold down a legitimate job because they're not going to be hired or the chances of that are significantly diminished. And not to say some people, some of them don't go get breakthrough and they create successful lives. Certainly there are those exceptions um, but and those anecdotes. But at the end of the day, we have to invest invest in prisoners. We have to give them. I believe in second chances. You have to, you know, if you end up in jail and you have the, the you're, if you're facing the prospect of getting out in 5, 10, 15, 20 years even, then train them. Give them skills. Give them resources. Um, 
because I think again, when we look at his his kind of his biography, and I think this is the, the this could be applied to many prisoners. You know, they had trouble upbringings. They didn't have guidance. They didn't have mentorship. They, you know, they they got into the wrong crowd. And okay, yeah, but it was their choice. Well, you know, it's not as simple as that. You know, sometimes we just end up in situations, and you know, we make wrong decisions on a whim, and you know, and so. You know, why should you face a lifetime of consequences, especially when alternatives exist? And, you know, you look at, at the prison system in Germany, for example, and they do invest in their prisoners. They treat their prisoners very differently. And in fact, um, what's that What's that term called when... Recidivism. Yeah, there's recidivism is significantly Yes, I just looked lower. it up. Recidivism rates in yeah. uh, America are amongst the highest, if not the highest, in the world. And right. I just saw a quick Google here shows that um, according to a 2012 report by the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation, there's not much rehabilitation being done. More than 65% yeah. of those released from California's prison system returned within three years. And I've seen statistics oh. as high as 87%. Damn. You know? yeah. yeah. So there is um, – we, we approach it as a punitive – we're going to take you out mm-hmm. of society. We're going to punish you. We're going to punish you even after you're released. We're going to make yes. it so that you can't live in public yes. housing. We make it so that right. you have to put down your whether or not you've ever committed a felony on all of your applications and then you're immediately dismissed. Yeah, so when so you don't have those pro-social uh, sources of, you know, where you can get a job, get housing, get some help, what are you going to return to? The yeah. same life of crime that put you in jail in the first place. So we have it all weird. I mean, um, there was a yeah, great documentary the- made by Michael Moore where I think mm-hmm. he went into Norway. And it's like, where do we invade next? And they showed the prisons <laughs> there. And it's yeah. crazy. I mean, these guys wow. are humanized and given open space and land. Yeah, you know how we, yeah, a lot of our yeah, podcasts yeah. have discussed the importance of nature. Yeah. And these guys are in these beautiful, like, resort-like. Wow. I mean, the homes aren't special, but they're apartments, basically. And they have uh, water that they can fish in and swim in. They have bicycles that they can ride around in. Their surroundings are restorative. It's healing. It gives them hope. It gives them inspiration. They take classes. They come Uh, out of it. And they don't need to go. You know, they they have resources that help them once they're out of prison. And in the long run, you actually, you know, we talk about cost. In the long run, you save money because if you invest in these prisoners, maybe the upfront costs might be higher, but the long-term costs are going to be much lower if now you don't have to, you know, have to have this revolving door of the same prisoners coming in and out. And and then over the long term, of course, you reduce the prison population because now, you know, more people have access to, you know, a livelihood and and a sense of dignity. And I I just don't understand why. So that, that concept is so difficult to, for I guess uh, some Western nations, America, uh, to accept. I, I just find that, and we're seeing signs of that changing. More articles, right. and more books, and the public right. sentiment is starting to change around that. California. Thank you, Kim Kardashian. Oh, she's yeah. doing the yeoman's <laughs> okay. work. She's the one. I'm telling you, she's she's I'm, more influential than and shout out we've to, given her credit for. I'm really sad to hear about her divorcing um, Kanye. I mean, I'm going to pour one out for them tonight. This this one hurt real bad. Yeah, she's, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what Kanye's going to do. I worry about him. He's. It's going to be a downward spiral from here for him. Who knows? Maybe that might inspire him to win 2024. I, I just, I don't know. Maybe, maybe <laughs> or, he's the one. Or maybe his confinement, you know, being away from Kim yeah. will lead to yeah. uh, his own level of genius like Chris Havens, Christopher yeah. Havens. 
he, he needs to uh, uh, remove himself from the mystique, from the lure of the woman. I'm thinking of a Seinfeld episode, the lure of the animal. I tried to do a little switch on that, but it failed miserably. <laughs> but okay, we'll just move on. Um, that was a great episode. Um, anyway, so, um, so yeah, you know, I, I think as I was listening, reading the article too, I just, you know, I just felt he was honest and upfront about his past mistakes. Uh, and I also love how he, so, okay, so his story of how he gets discovered is interesting too. So, so, so he starts reach, okay, so initially he gets these worksheets, he's working through them, he's learning, and he's pretty much self-taught. So yes, he had some initial aptitude. Yeah, but he dropped out of high school in sophomore yeah, year. Exactly, exactly. So like in terms of calculus and linear algebra and higher orders of math that I can't even, you know. Yeah, that was some the, weird the, stuff. There's some weird stuff. He, um, he taught a lot of it himself. And, and so he starts reaching out to these institutions, these academic institutions. Um, it's like, Hey, I want some more books on these topics. Can you hook me up with a mentor? Um, at first, you know, he was rejected, but eventually, um, I think it's a, what it was like an institution in Italy, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, they finally, um, said, okay, you know, we'll, we'll send you some stuff. And, uh, you know, uh, said, Hey, here's some problems. See if you can figure it out. And he surprises these, these professors. And his ability to actually uh, solve the problems in a unique way, because although he was self-taught, there still was significant gaps in his mathematical knowledge and development. So it, the way that he solved some of these problems was very unconventional uh, when compared to someone who goes through right. kind of like the the math the standard traditional mathematical training. And so That's as a test, this was fascinating. And he gets them right. And then this one guy, this was great to me. He sends him a problem. Which and and I don't know if he told him this directly or it was suggested, but Christopher assumes, oh, you know, here's another problem, here's another challenge, and it's been solved before, and I need just need to figure it out as well. Right. Well, to his uh, ignorance, this pro- this was a problem that had not yet been solved by the uh, mathematical academic community, and gosh darn it, he solves it. Yeah. Um, and so that's where he kind of first achieves fame. There's some controversy surrounding that in terms of, well, math is a joint effort. You know, this doesn't necessarily prove his genius, but it was a significant achievement. Okay. That's a side story. But, uh, so anyway, so yeah, that, that I thought that was that's such why a he's fascinating. like goodwill hunting. Yeah. Yeah. And so that also brings up another issue. So if we are deceived into be- believing that some, something that is previously unsolvable has in fact been solved or is solvable, that that does that increase the, the, our ability to actually solve it because we don't we remove some psychological barriers that mm. that that maybe when we approach something knowing that that it's impossible and hasn't ever been done before well then the first you know few encounters of challenge you you kind of there's the psychology of defeat that starts creeping up whereas with Christmas yeah. like ah god damn it this hasn't been solved I'm gonna push through I have to find it out I I'm gonna keep push 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 and eventually he just figures it out but again it goes back to your um position on prison in the first place he had mm. very few distractions he couldn't yes. google finding out like oh what what is the other way around <laughs> true, it true 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 or maybe i should watch a movie or maybe i should hang out with my friends he was just like i'm gonna be up all night working this yeah. out as best yep. i can like um he did which is that that is something maybe the yeah. the way we frame almost anything uh, will dictate a lot of what we'll get from it you know if we if we what is that uh, quotation by um, Ford? He said, whether you believe you can or you believe you can't, you're correct. 
Mm, okay, I, I, that sounds about right. Yeah, I, Henry I, I like T. That. Ford. I like that sentiment. Yeah, and, and so, yeah, yeah, and I, I find, I also was kind of, I love this kind of idea of the singular obsession mm-hmm. towards something. I think there's something beautiful about it. This kind of singular dedication. This kind of total drive towards something and i think the key i love your word of of, he didn't have distraction there's so many distractions in our modern day lives and i think uh there could be even more discoveries more innovations or more passions pursued if we didn't have as many distractions or if we learned or we taught in an earlier how to manage all of the many distractions that you know because i think you know you know we were both you know, we're both, we, I was at least an educator and, you know, our, our poor students, I mean, they're so inundated with, with video games and, and not to say there's beauty and creativity and, you know, I'm not knocking it. I mean, I'm a, I'm a casual gamer myself, but, but, uh, you know, these kids are pouring hours upon hours of their lives into these, these games and some making a profession and they become streamers or the programmers themselves. So more power to them. That's awesome. That's legit. But more kids distract themselves and and they maybe miss their passions they 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 don't give themselves enough opportunities to discover something that would really excite them and they discover they can actually excel at because well now they're playing four or five hour, hours at night yeah right games. And, at least yeah, yeah at least oh i mean especially the games that are made today they're specifically designed for streamers so because yeah. you know these guys and gals they suck and everything you down a rabbit hole yeah it's just uh so anyways i thought that was super cool like so yeah so confinement recidivism you know the the fact that so the cool thing about christopher was he found mentors people did reach out to him you know people did give him a chance they they fed his talent they were willing they invested in him and you know he's still in prison um and he i think was also really cool about him is he launched the prison math project so he is trying to give back and he's trying to get other you know inmates to you know find their passions for math or or their um, spark. That was cool. Or their spark, yeah. So um You get that reference? I do, which is gonna segue nicely into the the Pixar animation. Eventually. I just wanted to use some yeah. of the same language. Um Yeah. I'm ready to transition there. Although, yeah, please, what do you think? What have I missed? What do you want to add? What do you think, Christopher Havens? What what's what the, what's our going what's going on in your mind about him? Well, the first thing I want to say is that whole campaign of This Is Your Brain on Drugs by Dare. <laughs> oh, jeez. Fuck you, Dare. <laughs> and fuck you, First Lady Reagan, with all due respect. See, if you say all due respect, oh then you can say oh anything. Because we just lost half our viewers. <laughs> no, just, they just kept kidding, the, all these scare tactics. And this guy was yeah, on yeah, meth for years and yeah. hit rock bottom. And yep. then it still becomes a mathematical... Uh, wonderkind or something of that nature yeah, it's yeah, yeah. it just shows like him being on drugs and still accomplishing all those sort of things all those rock stars from the 60s who are supposed yeah. to be long dead keith richards right. looks like a corpse and <laughs> they're still like still creating around, music man. and stuff oh, yeah. so uh no, maybe, I think you maybe dare doesn't know what they're talking about if yeah, i dare to t- say myself I love and fear. Fear is is such a terrible reductive tool of manipulation because <laughs> fear simplifies. Fear, you know, reduces. Fear removes the complexity of something. And of course, you know, drugs can be harmful in excess. Certain types of drugs don't even try. It's just don't go there, right? You know, but um, yeah, Tylenol. No, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh God, yeah, but you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, even pharmaceutical drugs, right? You know, they they have all kinds of you know, there's a whole litany of of side effects. So, you know, but the point is, uh, I, but yeah, that brought well, I, that was just a little aside about uh, First it was Lady a good Reagan, with, with all due respect. Well, they and, used, uh, yeah, yeah, because if, as long as you say with all due respect, that makes it okay. I've, I understand it that heals everything. Anything <laughs> can be said with that phrase. Anything can be said. But it brought me back to the this thought of addiction, tough love, and catabasis. Have you ever heard of the mm. term catabasis? I have not. Enlighten me, please, as I okay. pour myself another. Turn turn down the lights so I can be that much brighter as I enlighten you. Soft, soft, soft music in the background. I'm going to kick my shoes off. So catabasis is a Greek word for something that I don't understand. But generally speaking... Uh, it means like when you hit rock bottom, mm-hmm. that's or you go into the underworld, that's when you can then climb to your highest heights. Mm. And it was theorized in the, this men and masculinity class I took in college back in the day. Nice. Awesome. That uh, for a person to ev- whomever it may be, like for Steve Jobs to become what Steve Jobs became, he had to get fired from mm. the company he created. Oh, I love that. You right. know, for... Whomever, you know, is a model of, like Malala, I don't know if this will work. Malala couldn't have been Malala mm. had it not been for her going through the right. worst Oof. possibility, right? So what ahead, yeah. Chris Havens went through uh, would not have been, would not he would not have been able to get to where the heights he went to in terms of what he's created had he not gone to the depth in terms of his addiction and his murder and and all of the you know the the worst outcome, so that is just an idea yeah. that always um, preys upon my mind. You know, like I I have been someone who has tried to avoid rock bottom at all costs. I've taken safe route after safe route, and I think that action is going to result in me having. A semi-mediocre existence, you know, like I'm just not oh, taking wow. the type of risks hmm. that some of these other people. And that doesn't mean I should go start doing meth, <laughs> right? But the message, ladies and gentlemen, with all due respect, is take some meth. Yeah, yeah. You'll discover your passion. No, I think you bring up an excellent point, and right, it's it's hitting your nadir. It's your your you know, and then Morrison, uh, the Doors lyrics. Um, like, there's only one way to go, and and that's up. Mm. Um, paraphrasing here, or or I don't know if it was Bukowski or or some writer artist who said, you know, uh, when you when you're a soldier and you fight in war, the bullshit gets kicked out of you. So 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 uh, I oh, guess you know, cool. hit, yeah, like hitting rock bottom. Is is what is sometimes required for some people, maybe many. I don't know. Uh, to 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 remove the the BS, the bullshit. You know, the, to remove the facade. You know, because right. you know facades and delusion, they're they're protective mechanisms. You know, to that, that a person seeks to. Uh, you know, uh, avoid uh, facing the truth of, of maybe their whatever issues that they're, you know, in, at the subconscious level dealing with. But, you know, when you hit that rock bottom, boom, you there's no choice but to face that bottom. Right. And once you face that bottom, then you can rebuild in a way that's more honest, more, more without pure. skipping steps. You know, right. what I'm saying? Like exactly. If you, exactly. If you imag- imagine it as like, uh, like staircase, mm-hmm. if you hit rock bottom, you can't leap or use somebody no. else. Baby to steps. build off of you have to build yeah. each one of those uh yep. 
Yeah, so that's that's the idea that came to mind with him. But another idea that I had is kind of counters that, which is hmm. we are taught a sense of like tough love is the best approach for people who are addicted or going through a hard time. You know, whether it's the kid on the yes. basketball team who's acting right. an ass. So cut him from the team so that you can teach him a lesson. Right. <laughs> uh, the kid in Old your classroom. Testament. Old Testament. Yeah, yeah. It's Old Testament God. The kid yeah. on the classroom who has been acting an ass. Well, you'll flood his home and, and drown his family and, and unless he puts lamb's blood on his door. Um, right. And you think like, no, no, this is, this is like a, a model of rugged individualism and they need to be right. taught. Right. But- you know, with this guy, it seemed to me that what led him to his rock bottom and maybe ultimately his greatest heights was a lack of humanity. Because yes, what I mean by that is he wanted to belong. And that desire to belong led him to making a lot of tough choices. Yes. But if we had societies built around inclusivity. Yeah. I think people would make fewer choices that are so harmful because the part of it that stuck out to me that felt like it was a real healing experience for him, and I don't know that he even really mentioned too much of it in the article, but the the guard, Mr. G, calling him Mr. Havens, you have surpassed my abilities, good luck. Oh, yeah, and I just thought a of a moment, guard pivotal moment. telling a, mm-hmm. an inmate, yeah, Mr., you know, using that sort of... Right. Respect, a show of respect, a sense of acknowledgement of your humanity. Yeah. Validation. And and that just felt like what's missing in a lot of people who are addicted um, to drugs. They're, they have fewer pro-social positive relationships. And I, again, I'm, I do a lot of my thinking in like images. So if somebody is hanging by a few threads and they have a good connection with their sibling or their yeah. friend or their job or whatever. And we all just start saying like, you know what? It's too costly to be in your life. And I think I'm actually doing good for you by cutting you off. So I snip those uh, connections. Well, what's left for you but to fall? And when you yeah. fall, some people hit rock bottom, start climbing up. But we know that most people, once they hit rock bottom, and I'm talking about rock, rock bottom through addiction, mm-hmm. They're not making it out because a lot of these drugs yeah. will kill you. Yes, absolutely. So and is it really the right approach? Yeah, no, and I agree with you. And I think I embrace I embrace your your perspective wholeheartedly. I think so when, you know, hearing this, those stories of overcoming great ob- obstacles and, you know, hitting rock bottom and then, uh, you know, um, uh, digging yourself out of it. Sure, these are sensational stories. We admire these stories. We were... Uh, you know, we're inspired by these stories, but but at the end of the day, there really are the exceptions. They're not yeah, the norm. That's a good point. When you look at statistics, when you look at you know studies that have been conducted on you know the percentage of individuals who make out make it out of difficult hardships, and that could, I'm being very general here. Sure, they don't make it. They don't make it. So I, I, I th- to me, going back, and I started with this early. It, it was that sense of belonging. So someone in his life did not give him, did not fulfill that sense of belonging that he so craved at that point in his life. So I'm thinking, uh, you know, we all deserve, and this isn't a Dr. Spock thing. I, I think Spock is a different thing. Spock was all about, oh, whatever your kid does, embrace it. No, it's not about Spock. It's about mentorship. It's about uh, providing opportunities. It's about having, you know, surrounding yourself with individuals who 
you know, uh, uh, dazzle you with creativity and innovation and productivity and, and to, you know, show you the different ways in which, or in, in terms of how you can set your mind to something. Um, you know, it's, I mean, that, don't, don't tell me that that's not going to benefit uh, a significant number of people. If we can build in those systems, if we can somehow, you know, encourage those either in our culture or in our educational system or, 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 you know, the, just the, the larger societal structures into which we're born. You know, I think we, this will lead to a conversation we need to have in, in the future, which is the Spartan approach versus the Athenian, Athenian approach. I love because that. Because the Spartan approach is basically make it as hard as possible for people to make it. And yeah. thus, whoever makes it becomes exceptional. Yes. But should we be judging our society or building our society for those few in-between cases of exceptionalism? Or do we value life enough in and of itself that we should elevate the standard of living so that more people can have dignity of, of life and existence yeah. Absolutely. Uh, as and opposed to like some sort of like uh, American ninja obstacle course where ah you made it there you go right. now we'll we'll give you a life yeah. worth living it's like or just give yeah. it to everybody if we can and i think as a, as a quick body of, of evidence to support what you just said is again going back to silicon valley you look at bill gates you look at all of the uh, individuals today who were who you know pioneered many of the technologies and software that we enjoy today or has destroyed our world um <laughs> they, Slip they that in it's real not quick. Yeah, it's not that they were these genius individuals. And I've watched some, a lot of interesting documentaries around this. They they lived in this the suburban environment where they they're fa- like they lived down the street from other engineers and programmers, mm. and, and and so these kids, you know, in their garages, you know, they, they first of all they had the, the space, they had the money, they had the time, and they had the the mentorship to to uh, inspire these kinds of like Steve Jobs like he could walk down the street and there you know there was other programmers or engineers or aspiring engineers in programming I should say who he could have conversations with who could th- bounce ideas off of and within that community of learning and and I guess of uh, you know background of experience yes these this is a group of people who emerge from that and are now the the titans of Silicon Valley so this that's often lost. this is such an important point and I, I try to make this um argument of my friend who who just doesn't see how all of this stuff is connected i i always try to emphasize there's nothing that happens in a vacuum it's all connected yes yes and the way i try to reason that out is we all want whether you are coming at it from the left's perspective center perspective right perspective we all want a society that is more connected and and Mm -hmm. better for as many people right generally speaking and we have different approaches for that but when we create a society that privileges the few and the exceptional over yeah. the many yes what is the law what is lost there that people don't consider and i never hear this argument i'm actually proud of myself for thinking about it is there is untapped potential in yes. all these communities where yeah. they have been underserved fewer resources yes who it. knows how many people could be advancing things in terms of innovation yeah. in terms of technology in terms of what, science whatever it might be yeah. literature but they're too hung up on the bottom rungs of Maslow's hierarchy, right? Yeah. They're they're in the survival mode. They're not in exactly. s- even considering self-realization and, and right. purpose and passion <laughs> and all these sort of things. So yeah. if we're all trying to better society, like if it's a relay race, 
that we're trying to pass the baton to the next generation a little further down the, the race so that they don't have to do some of the heavy lifting from before, then we need to lift up the standard of living for as many people as possible so that we can produce even that much more progress for all. And now yeah. let me put my soapbox away and yeah, no. I'm ready to shift. Beautifully stated. And I think, and no, I agree with you. freaking brilliant, bro. And, and that's what I, um, you know, that's what I, uh, I, I loved about this article. And um, as I watch you take a heroic swig of your five-gallon water jug, beautiful. I love it. You think uh, this is an accident? You think I get this type of skin without a little work? Ozzy, I aspire, if I could only achieve just a film of your brilliance, I would be a much happier person. No, but I think, no, I think that sums it up beautifully. Um, and um, yeah, we got to invest in our own people. We got to give people opportunities. Um, this 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 myth of, uh, well, anyone can do it if they just try hard enough. Uh, sure, effort sure. and perseverance and determination are always important values and you always need it for any endeavor. But at the end of the day, uh, the, the probability of more people finding their paths is greater when they are invested in uh, and born into the envir- environments of nurturing. Nurturing. Okay, let's hold on. Segue I want to transition into soul. Yes, because you said the, you said the word finding their path, which is a really yes. smooth transition. But I saw what you were baby, doing there. Let's do it. And yeah. the, uh, you want to break that down? The the plot of the story. Wow. Yeah, what so, a, and your overall impression. One of the, um, I'm just, I love this film. I think I was a complete surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife suggested it. She's a brilliant and, woman. So someone, well, no, someone suggested it to her and then she suggested it to me and we just, she just like, we're going to watch it. And I said, okay, why not? And I was just so pleasantly blown away. I thought it was so creative, so well done, just ah, beautiful. Okay. So synopsis. So, well, spoiler alert. So we haven't seen this film. Uh, you know, we'll probably get to spoil something. So maybe pause and come back to us when you've had a chance to see the film. So we are going to, in my excitement, I know I'm going to uh, inadvertently reveal uh, plot lines that you may not want revealed. So again, I'm, I'm, I'm being uh, open about that right now. So basically, here we, you know, the, the the animated film starts out with this middle school band teacher, and I love that because I used to be a musician and I remember high school and middle school even grade school band very fondly um so that that took me back um so here's this you know a gifted uh pianist who uh you know is is confined to teaching middle school because you know it's hard to make it as a musician takes a lot of luck and perseverance and just timing to kind of get that break and so the movie starts out with him not having his break but I just love like in the first couple minutes you know he's you know, he's facing, you know, here's, he's this brilliant pian, jazz pianist, and he's, you know, trying to find ways to inspire these, like, very terrible uh, jazz musicians, or, I'm um, sorry, these band members, although there's this one girl, one character who truly has some amazing talent, and he has a connection with, um, but then he just pauses, and he just shows, he just plays this rift as a demonstration of maybe how the student should kind of play a part, or he, I don't know, he goes off on some anecdote, some musical anecdote, mm-hmm. and, and the kids are just like, oh my god, and, um, I just thought that was such a nice warm touch. So anyway, so here he is, you know, um, uh, trying to, you know, make it. And then one of his former students who becomes a, an established, uh, jazz drummer played by Questlove. Questlove, right, 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 right. And Jamie Foxx is the, uh, the person who plays protagonist is Joe protagonist. And he's awesome. Hero of mine. 
I love Hero. He's one of the most talented human beings yeah, that's ever awesome. walked this earth. If you watch him play the piano, he's exceptional. If you listen to him sing, he's exceptional. If you watch yeah. him do stand-up, he's exceptional. You put him in improv, he's exceptional. And he's a handsome motherfucker. I mean, this guy's got it all. And I said motherfucker he's... because he plays the character <laughs> Motherfucker Jones. And he's hilarious <laughs> in it in the movie yeah. um, Horrible Bosses, one of my favorites. He, he's fantastic, no doubt about it. And so anyway, so yeah, so he, he, so this, uh, his former students of his, who's made it, calls him up and says, Hey, I got this gig. Uh, we're short, uh, a pianist, something happened. Can you fill in? So he goes and he basically dazzles, uh, the, the, that band and says, All right, cool. You got it. You know, show up this and this time and you've got the gig. So this could potentially lead to, you know, uh, fulfilling his lifelong dream of being this, you know, recognized, you know, a working, uh, well-paid jazz pianist. Uh, so anyways, as he's going home, he's excited. He's flushed with excitement. He's ready to share with his loved ones in the world. And <gasps> he falls to his demise. Wouldn't you um, know it? Story of my life. Yeah. So that in of itself is conventional. But just the way that it's recreated, like he's this little soul, you know, um, blob. And, and he's kind of, you know, ascending toward heaven. And so he just can't accept it. It's like, what's going on? Like, well, he's on a conveyor this. belt that's taking him into yeah. heaven, right? It's like the... Yeah. So, anyways, I don't want to go through every single detail yeah, of the yeah. film. But... So, basically, the whole story is he's trying to go back to real life. And, and he finds kind of a loophole. And he finds a way to get back. Um, and so, that's really the meat of the story is, you know, kind of what he learns, what he discovers. His He has moments of self-reflection himself um, in terms of his his real life prior to his death. Now let's take uh, a step the, back. I so, to, okay, yeah, I kind of that's the synopsis. I don't want to give yeah, any that's more. Pretty so good yeah, synopsis take it from of here. What happened? But I, yeah. I wanted to know: Are you a fan of Pixar in general? You know, I think to me, I'll be honest with you, I, I haven't watched much Pixar. Oh, Pixar you're missing out, buddy. Have you seen? Uh, okay, let me give you a couple of movies. Oh, gotcha, have you I'm seen Inside Out? No. Okay, that's about like uh, a breakdown of our emotions and what governs us and how uh, it works no, and I how memories are built. It's pretty dope. We're same writer. Uh, Pete Doctor. This is why I'm bringing it up. Uh, have you seen the movie Up? I have not. Dude, I heard so much about I, it. I Up know. has I'm the first 20 minutes of it. You're going to be in tears. It's okay. heart wrenching. It's so well I done. I have to see it. I have to. Also, see it. this guy was the writer for that, or at least one of the writers. So his name is Pete Doctor. He's Oscar winning director for Monsters Inc. Up, Inside Out. Uh, he's the chief creative officer at Pixar Animation Studios. He was involved in Wall-E. Have you ever seen mm. Wall-E? Yes, that was awesome. Yeah, that was great, too. So the, they're just doing uh, bigger concept movies. Like, Wally is is deep. You know, it's about, like, the yeah. degradation of our planet to the and point that we have to live I, outside I, I of it. I thought that was such a brilliant depiction of these. Where you turn into gelatinous blobs because technology does everything for exactly. us. Exactly. And, and, and even, like, movement. Right. Um, so, yeah, I'm missing out. You're right. I, I think soul, and now that you, the way you've described it, I, I have some serious uh, catching up to do. Right, so um, Up deals with, like, connection and loss and love, um, like, real deep love. Like, mm. it's so moving. Uh, and now Soul is dealing with the afterlife. So it yes. put, puts up the questions of or proposes what it would be like before life. That's where you, you get a, uh, the souls are trying to find their spark and the other things yes, before they yes. can come down to Earth and, and imbue themselves in a human body. And then the post-life, you know, afterlife, which is a, these are deep questions. These are deep yeah. questions for kids to be considering. But I was that kid. 
You know, my mm. father died when I was two years old. Oh. I came to America at five because uh, Lebanon was war torn and my mom lost her job and mm-hmm. it was all crazy like that. So I think those engendered um, a sense in me that there was the possibility of loss, the possibility of death. And at like five, six, seven years old, I was a very pious kid. Mm. Even before that, I would like wake up in the middle of the night to do my prayers if I hadn't done my prayers beforehand because there was a real fear that I might not make it into heaven. Oh, wow. So So, your sense of mortality, uh, you experienced that much earlier in life than It was probably exaggerated, you know? I mean, I I would sit outside and look at the stars and be like contemplating heaven and hell. And whether or not I was in the right religion. So I was raised Muslim. My aunt's a born-again Christian. When Jehovah Witnesses would knock on our door, I would surreptitiously meet with them in different places in the apartment building so that I could hear theirs. Because I was like, well, I don't know that if Islam is right. And I don't know if Christianity is right. So these people are willing to come to my door. Let's see. Whoever has an answer for me, I'm going to want to make sure I have all avenues checked off. Yeah. So that is all to say that this type of movie already speaks to... um, a longing that I have for answers for things that are metaphysical and can't be answered. And to put it in a child's you know, movie, it's clearly for adults. There's yeah. a line in it that we're going to get into a little bit later about the, the two fish that talk to each other in the ocean. Um, but generally speaking, the fact that they deal with these themes, it's, it's what makes me love Pixar in general. You know, the, Joe is going through a midlife crisis. Yeah. His music career never took off, and he's generally unsatisfied. Um, and so from there, we have the basis for a lot of adults to connect with. Like, have I found my passion? Am I living yeah. a purpose-driven life? Mm-hmm. Um, so It's th- interesting because, it, yeah, so like sometimes the, the purpose that we find think we found for ourselves might not and, and we invest a lot of our efforts toward achieving uh might not actually be at the end of the day what our ultimate uh, purpose might be and i felt like there was that suggested in the story like he was aspiring to be this jazz pianist this recognized jazz pianist his whole life mm-hmm. and to continue the tradition of this music uh at that level but then towards the end he find he i think he finally realizes maybe mentorship and, uh, you know, influencing others to find their passions was my ultimate purpose. So I thought that was a nice twist that the, the film kind of explained. You know what? That's what I expected it to be. I kept saying that, but I think that was my bias as a person who works in education and loves mentoring and loves mm-hmm. having a hand and um, propelling people towards more positive ends for themselves. But I don't think that was the the actual theme or underlying message, you know, like the questions I think, were, I think why I could we... argue that it's one of it. I mean, I wouldn't sure. say it's the predominant, but I think it was one, like I said, it's a suggestion, but yeah. So what, what do you believe is what was more of the focus? So the questions are like, why do we exist? What is the afterlife? What is the before life? What is the point? And yeah, I, there's definitely I, that. Yeah. I love a... the idea that the point of existence, are you ready for this? We need a drum oh, roll. I'm I'm uh, holding on to my boots. Okay, the point of existence is to exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Okay. Yes, because that moment where he's sitting on the chair, the chair, not 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 Joe, but the the person that uh, the cynic uh, Tina Fey's character, number twenty two, yeah, uh, um, I guess inhabits his body. For, right. 
Um, and so he's, there's this moment where he, she is looking up and there's this little seedling. A leaf. That spirals yeah. downward. I think it was like a scene that, yeah, you're right. a seed that's shaped in like, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's basically, uh, because of its shape, it kind of descends in propeller form. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's kind of a slow descent. And in that moment, she, she, she discovers this like, this, this kind of very simple beauty that's, that's taken for granted that maybe, you know, most people wouldn't bother to, to look at and admire and, and appreciate. And just, I thought that, that little piece was, right. I think, actually speaks to what you just said. I thought such a powerful moment. I keep thinking about that scene because it was like such a simple thing, but it's like, that's the meaning of life in that, that kind of recognition of the, kind of the, the wonder of life. Uh, and, and like, the, again, I've said this before, kind of like the significance of the seemingly insignificant. Right. Um, I think to me is, was such an awesome scene. Yeah. I'm so glad that you brought that up because it leads to the fish story again. Remember the, do you remember the fish story? He Refresh says, my memory. He says two fish are, um, in the ocean. One fish goes up to the second and says, Hey, can you tell me where the ocean is? <laughs> He's like, uh, you're in it. He's like, no, no, this is just water. <laughs> and so the point of that at first I was kind of like, well, what does that mean? You know, you can try to interpret it another way, and maybe I, I missed a detail here, but the gist of it is to say you are already living that which you are searching for. Mm. So if you're like, oh, my life will be my life will be what I need it to be. I'll be happy when, and if you take that to its long goal logical endpoint. I'll be happy when I get that piano job. I'll be happy right. when I get okay. that person to fall in yeah. love with me. I'll be happy when I get that house. I'll be right. happy when I get that promotion. I love that. Well, this is like Sisyphus pushing the boulder up an infinite slope. Yeah. There is never a point of satiation. There's never going to be a point where you hit that thing and you're like, oh, no, I'm there now because... You're already there. Already there, yeah. And I, I, that's beautiful because, yeah, like sometimes we erect these these uh, imaginary benchmarks of achievement. That well, if I achieve this, if I uh, get this, or if I, if, if I do this, then that's going to be the true meaning, or, or it's going to make f- it's through which I find fulfillment. And I and and this so okay. So uh, again, spoiler here, but so this the Tina Fey character number twenty two is number twenty two in. Joe's attempt to return to his body, he accidentally ends up in a cat's body, and number 22 ends up in his body. And the thing, okay, so we got to talk about number 22. Yeah, number 22 she's, a, she's important. Is, is she's kind of in limbo because she has, in order to inhabit a body and actually begin life, because so there's a group of souls that have not yet been born. Um, they're kind of like the pre-souls, and so they are not allowed to... Uh, actually descend and inhabit a body or be born into a body, I should say, until they found that spark. And she, or number 22, is a character that has not found its spark. And what I thought was cool was it, she never really finds, number 22 never really finds that spark. What number 22 finds is what you just described, which is and the enjoyment of the simple things of just learning how to walk, uh, of uh, listening to the music, uh, of seeing that the, the fall, the scent of that uh, seedling, um, it, it just you know this. Oh, the the moment when it eats pizza. Yeah, I was you know, I was going to bring up the pizza. Yeah, you know, the 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 experience of of sensation, like sensation, is such an extraordinary thing. You know, we we all of course like to eat and sugar and, and fats and salts and all these things, but that is that in itself is 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 a purpose achieved to experience that, to have the opportunity to experience that type of uh, salivary. 
um, I don't know, moment. So yeah, I had a, I, I I had a moment like that this week where I, uh, there was a little bit of sunlight breaking through my screen door and, uh, I was being playful with my wife and I had just made my baby laugh. And oh, so I was curled awesome. up that way in the sun and it just felt just delicious, you know, to see the yeah. light gleaming in through a little flower bed and the screen door onto the floor. And then my wife came and curled up on the oh. floor next to me. And I was just like, I hope she, I hope she spoons me. I hope she spoons me. And she did. And I was just like, well, that's it. That's it. That's what's everything what's right better there. than that? Nothing. Yeah. Well, I'll awesome. tell you what's better. Uh, my daughter is starting to mimic me as I sing. She's 11 weeks, oh. almost 12 weeks. So I'll start mouthing things like, uh, the wheels on the bus go round and round, and then she goes, and I'm just, I'm dead. <laughs> awesome. You know, it blows That's me so away. Cool. Then what's greater than that? Maybe if I made a million dollars, I'd feel good for a moment, but I don't know how That's... much that would carry me. Actually, I'll take the million dollars over her laugh. Her laugh was not that great. <laughs> Well, look, you've definitely taken to the spirit of this film. I mean, that's it right there. I think it speaks to exactly that moment, that experience. And I think that's a beautiful uh, connection. I think it's, it validates some of the points that Sola is trying to make. That's awesome. Okay. Similarities and differences between the two. I think that we've done a good job of talking about each in isolation. Um, so real quick, uh, for me, the similarities is, again, this idea of purpose. Yes, that's the one I have. Right. Yeah. The idea of fulfillment. Uh, this idea and, and look not even you know just being in, in a moment of enjoyment like look Christopher Haven he found something he loved it's, it's not yeah. even about the, whatever uh, mathematical genius grandeur he achieves you know it's the fact that he found something that he can completely devote himself to and enjoy and love and also use to give back so through his his uh, journey of becoming this accomplished mathematician he's reconnecting uh, with his fellow inmates. Um, he's trying to reconnect with his family in the same way that Joe in the film is, is recon is, you know, cause there's a moment like through number 22 when she inhabits his body, she has interactions with his mom that, that revealed, um, you know, I guess perceptions or emotions that he never, he, maybe he didn't have the courage or the wherewithal or the desire to really explore. And mm-hmm. so, in this kind of like chance um, rediscovery of uh, and reconnection with, with loved ones. So I think there's some great similarities there. Um, so I, I, I don't know. Purpose to me is definitely a keyword. Yes. One I, of our keywords that I would like to hinge on. I cosign. Yeah. Uh, what do you, so yeah, similarities or you want to go. To I, I have my three words. Go for it. So purpose for sure. Both characters, Joe mm-hmm. needed to find his purpose. He, he he thought his purpose was one thing when he wasn't living that out he felt incomplete unsatisfied uh chris didn't have purpose before even though you think like oh you had five kids or is that your purpose he's like no he was caught up in the addiction world so that didn't scratch the itch for him but then when he had hit his rock bottom catabasis he was able to realize that the thing that gave him purpose was mathematics so that that's a through line between both stories. Perspective is the second perspective. one. Perspective, yeah, that is. I wrote that down to perspective. I like that. Yeah, um, I loved it, how. Um, not to cut you off, my apologies, but before I forget, he so number twenty two was able to find its 
appreciation mm-hmm. for the simple things of life and right. for life itself by being in the shoes of someone else. Empathy. Empathy is so important. Empathy right. is to me, uh, so I, that's something I want to kind of throw out there. Yeah. And I think perspective that um, to give a little bit more perspective on 22, who plays the role, played the role by Tina Fey and is basically a cynic. Yes. And, and cynics in general, um, they're interesting to me because I, I think of cynics and I think of distrusting, pessimistic. Disillusionment. And here's the other one, idealistic. So I think a cynic has really high expectations, and when they're not met, they're not they able to grapple into that with the like, ah, oh, there's nuance there. So they're like, right, the right. whole thing's bullshit. Yeah, or it. I don't understand it. It's it's overwhelming. I'm just going to go into like it's all bad. So they take they adopt a pessimistic approach. So she is that. She's a cynic. There's no sense of even trying because she already sees how it will inevitably fail. So when she gets that perspective of like the simple pleasures, she actually gives that to Joe. Joe gains from her, even though he's supposed to be her mentor. Um, And then the third one, this one is, I think, uh, and wait, hold on, go ahead to build off of that. Remember, so, so, so he's in the body of a cat. So he's almost in this weird way, observing himself interact with the people that he typically interacts with, but because there's a different, I guess, you know, mindset in his body, but still interacting the way with the people that he often comes in contact with, he sees a different side of the people that he typically interacts with. Because now, because number 22 inhabits uh, his body, it brings out different topics. She listens more. Like I love the barber scene. Um, where she actually learns more about that barber, where the barber, remember, yes. he initially, what did he want to be? He had like a different passion initially. He wanted to be, there's a different pr- profession he wanted for himself. Damn it. Um, yeah, he, he did. He, he, and he's like, why didn't you do that? Or how come we've never talked about this before? And he's like, because you never asked. Yeah, you never asked. Right. So, so it, it's, it's, again, going back to perspective, it's by being in someone else's body sometimes is what we need to, to see, perceive ourselves differently. And uh, I thought that was a, a, such a great uh, narrative play. You know, that's a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up because as the cat, he can see himself outside of himself and realize exactly, something. Exactly, exactly. Um, Beautiful. And then the last one that I was thinking of is desire. Mm, and yes. uh, it made me think of the Four Noble Path by the Buddha who said Ooh. that uh, desire is the root cause of all <laughs> suffering, right? <laughs> yes. So he desired to be a jazz musician. And that desire made him miss out on a lot of the life that he had already. Right. This mania, you know, the obsession. It's the all, ocean can also he be was blinding, swimming in. Right. The ocean yeah. he was swimming in, he was missing it because mm-hmm. he had that single focus, which you were complimenting yeah. in Christopher Havens earlier. And speaking of Christopher Havens, his desire was to belong. Right. And to belong, he was willing to hang out with kids that were accepting of him because, you know, they were, they had pretty low standards and he had low standards and to belong. He did things that were self harmful and to belong. He tried to fight people in jail and to belong. He suffered desire. His desire to belong led to his suffering, his suffering. Yeah. His um, Joe's desire to be whatever he had conjured in his mind as the narrative of what it would be to be a successful life led to his suffering and unsatisfaction and so i think that those three words in particular purpose 
perspective, desire really fit in quite nicely for these two stories. Yeah, I think that's great. I think that's a beautiful way to end. Uh, I don't think I can top that. I won't even try. But I think, yeah, I think you summed it up beautifully. Um, you know, um, you know, if, if, if I have anything to add here in closing, um, there was a, a teacher of mine in the past, a college professor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he said it so aptly. Um, you know, he said, you know, there's never going to be a moment in your life where you're going to feel that you have everything and you're going to finally achieve that point of total satisfaction. Right. Um, because once you achieve whatever that one thing is that you may have devoted a year or a month or, or a decade to achieving, the moment, the very moment you achieve it, you might have a brief, uh, you know, f- fleeting feeling of satisfaction. But right. a, couple, a few days pass and now you're on to the next thing. The next one. And so his thing was... You just have to learn to enjoy the process of yeah. things. It's a different approach to it, but I think that has helped me and and kind of and, and managing my life and realizing, you know, I'm gonna, you know, yeah, here I want to achieve this one thing, but damn it, I'm gonna enjoy it every step of the way, and and even the steps that lead me to something else. Uh, and it's and like you said, I really hold, you know, very you know, carpe diem, you know, kind of, I guess I. Yeah, the kind of more stereotypical way, you know, seizing the moment. But I think that's very simplistic. It leaves out a lot. Um, but uh, Oz, I think you uh, you have well, summed up this. Uh, if I this can uh, say another thing, it's please do. It's um, it's cliche, but sometimes the prosaic is profound. Yeah, definitely. To say the journey is the end, you know. Yeah, what I mean? yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah. That just is the truth of it. You know, we have a short run of on this earth and happiness seems like it should be the goal, but it, it really shouldn't because happiness is a momentary, ephemeral Moment- yeah. sort of wind blowing by. So if you're yeah. going for that sort of extreme point of happiness or the avoiding the extreme point of sadness, it's it's about contentment. It's about a sense of yeah. self-satisfaction that you value the right things and the right people are in your life and you're and i think in finding that that for ourselves it's important that we impart that to others because we go back to christopher ray part of the problem was that nobody imparted that to him at a moment and a time in his life when he really could have benefited from that type of advice or mentorship or uh even suggestion nobody showed him the way and so i don't know not consistently enough at least not Um, consistently enough or not powerfully enough or maybe sometimes you know it's not as easy as that even. Maybe even if it's shown to someone, they have to kind of stumble a bit um, before they return to that. So this was a lot of fun. And I say, uh, fuck yeah, you, Dare. good stuff. Fuck you, Dare. You can still do drugs and <laughs> oh, no. break out mathematical With all equations. due respect. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. With, With all, all due, respect. due respect. Thank God you brought that up. all <laughs> due respect. Yeah. yeah. All right, good stuff, man. <laughs> Until next time. A lot of fun. Bye.